Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket. I am glad you're here or there. I'm glad you're here on Earth, alive, breathing, and listening to this podcast or watching it. If you're watching it on YouTube, you don't see me right now because I don't really film these intros, which is good for you because I am naked with my ankles spread further apart than they've ever been so well there was that one night in high school but um i'm just being a silly goose how are you doing everybody thanks for uh tuning in i appreciate it this is a what do you call it a love pro- a passion project so um i do it for you and for me because it's fun and it's healthy for me i think but um a lot of folks listen and uh, a lot of folks don't. Most people do not, but the folks that do have uh, been so kind in reaching out. And thank you to everyone that's reached out and, and shared their experience with the show. It means a lot to me. Some people have done it through reviews. If you'd like to do that, that would be great. Give a nice review on iTunes. Those have been very touching and a lot of people have emailed and Instagrammed and all of those things. So I am uh, incredibly grateful. And um, it is not a show that is blowing up or uh, making money. So I I appreciate hearing from the people that enjoy it because it makes it um, it makes me feel good and uh, it makes me want to keep doing it. Also, I enjoy the conversations very much. So um, the intros not as much because I just feel like a babbling psychopath in my pajamas. I lied when I said I was naked. But I lied when I said pajamas, too. I'm wearing sweatpants. Anyways, thank you for listening. Uh, fun episode today. Good episode. It's me and my friend Carmen Legala, who is a comedian here in New York City. She is a wonderful comic, very funny person. You might have seen her on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Um and I believe she does not have a podcast, which we talk about. One of the very few comedians to not have a podcast. Um, but she's a great comic and a really kind person. And um, I don't know her too well, so we got to know each other uh, a little bit. We have very good mutual friends, uh, Steve Rogers and Ron on Hirschberg. And, um, so I see her around town, and um, our mutual friends had mentioned that uh, she's somebody that has similar anxiety as me. So we talk about that. Talk about panic attacks, anxiety. We're both uh, track and field runners, which we discovered. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really uh, fun and uh, enjoyable conversation. So I hope you enjoy it as well and hope you get something out of it. Um, and I hope you're doing well. I hope you're healthy. The uh, This virus seems to be raging, as they say. I've been avoiding most news and was trying to avoid uh, social media, as you know, How to Break Up With Your Phone by Catherine Price. Great book. I keep recommending. Uh, although I've relapsed a little bit on the phone because my wife is out of town. And uh, that makes it a little trickier because uh, I'm here alone. And um, and I've been posting some stuff. Uh, I have a new uh, little mini podcast with Ronan Hirschberg, who was the first episode of this podcast. And it's on YouTube. It's called... Uh, Joe and Ronan talk movies, and it's us discussing movies. The latest episode is up on my YouTube. There's two episodes. They're up on my YouTube. The first one, we discuss uh, the year 1994, and we digress a lot. And on the second one, we discuss Boston movies. 
And uh, we really trash Goodwill Hunting and talk about uh, the therapy aspects of Goodwill Hunting and how they're a little bit silly. But it's fun. It's also on the Tuesdays with Stories Patreon page if you're a Tuesday, which many of you are, I know. You can get on the Tuesdays with Stories Patreon and uh, you can hear the episodes there along with a ton of bonus stuff with Mark and I, of course. So um, I highly recommend and encourage you to go subscribe to my YouTube, Joe List, on YouTube, trying to build that up. And I got a web series on there called Connor's Ultimate Movies, as well as Joe and Rana on Talk Movies and a bunch of old sketches the ultimate warrior those are all on there i don't know if you've watched those but they're really fun and silly and involve anxiety of course and um yeah there's no stand-up for a while so this is it this is how i live my life now talking into a microphone not in front of an audience but in front of a computer screen how are you guys doing what's everyone up to are you guys uh all right are your jobs still happening? I hope. Hopefully we get a stimulus package soon. I hope everyone's doing okay. I imagine there's a great deal of frustration and sadness and um, despair, maybe, depression. I don't know. I mean, I imagine these things are are spiking. I realize how uh, fortunate I am to have um, podcasts that um, do okay and allow me to sort of create in this time where there's not very many shows at all. And uh, I'm also grateful to have a wife that I like. Uh, I've, the last four days I've been here by myself during this pandemic where you can't really do much. And uh, it's really made me see and experience what it must be like to uh, not have a wife or a husband or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or roommates. It's uh, quite lonely. Of course, in my old life, I was by myself all the time on the road, but at least I'd be going and doing shows and seeing people um, so I, I wish you the best and I'm hoping the best for you and, um, reach out if you're struggling, maybe I could help or maybe it might just feel good to, uh, tell somebody, I don't know. Hopefully this podcast helps for the, uh, hour and change that it, that it lasts. And if you want another break, go check out Joe and run on talking movies, a lot of jokes on there. And of course, Tuesdays with stories. Um, I assume if you're here, you're there. But maybe that's a bad assumption. Maybe maybe uh, maybe you hate that show and you like this show. But uh, I don't imagine that to be the case for most of you. Anywho, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting me in this time. I hope I can be supportive to you uh, through through the podcast. Now here I am just yammering on again. Um, but uh, I wish you a, a safe holiday and. Um, and if you're going to travel and, and see family, which I understand, um, try to do it as safe as possible. That's what I say, as safely as possible, whatever the right term is. Um, I'm reading this book. I read the book uh, Into the Wild by John Krakauer, which is probably my favorite book. Um, the movie is, is, is okay. Actually, we talk about it, uh, Ron on and I. But um, I like the movie enough. I love the book by John Krakauer, Into the Wild. I love all John Krakauer's books. I highly recommend Missoula if you'd like to be uh, enlightened on campus rape. Uh, it's a tough read, but a great book. And uh, Into Thin Air is great. He's got a lot of great books, Under the Banner of Heaven. Anyways, I read Into the Wild a long time ago, and then I just found out about 
this book by Christopher McCandless's sister called The Wild Truth, and it's like a companion piece to that. And why do I bring it up? Well, I bring it up because I'm going to read a quote from there, but also I thought you might be interested in what I'm reading. A lot of people want to have a book list of the books I've mentioned on here. Um, there's a lot. Anything by Thich Nhat Hanh, I recommend right now. By my bed, I, ha- I always have a Thich Nhat Hanh book with me. Any of them will do. The first ones I read are Happiness and Peace of Mind. Right now I have The Art of Living next to my bed. Running on Empty by Jonas Webb is the big book I mentioned about childhood emotional neglect. Sharon Salzberg, who I had on, her, bo- her newest book is called Real Change. And then William Irvine, Bill Irvine, who I had on last week, uh, who was fantastic, he talked about stoicism. He has a book called The Stoic Challenge, which I don't have. I got to get that book. And the book I talk about a lot and the book that got me into him is called A Guide to the Good Life by William Irvine. Highly recommend that book. And there's also a book, one of my favorite books ever is Oliver Berkman wrote a book called The Antidote. And that book touches on a lot of these things. And The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle is another one that really rocked my tits. And The Wise Heart by Jack Cornfield. Those are all books that would put you in the right direction to feel better. Anyways, uh, The Wild Truth by Corinne, or Corrine, I don't know how to say your name, honestly. C-A-R-I-N-E. Corrine McCandless. I'm reading it. Powerful book. But uh, there's a quote here. Here comes the quote. Everyone loves the quote. This is from... An excerpt, I guess, from Kristen Jongen's book, Growing Wings. Here it is. Perhaps strength doesn't reside in having never been broken, but in the courage required to grow strong in the broken places. Hmm? We're all a little broken right now, perhaps, but it's all about finding that strength. We'll be better. We'll be back. Vaccine coming. Enjoy my conversation with my friend, comedian Carmen Legala. It's best if we just jump in there. Here we go. We're recording. This is it. Good to see you. You too. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I've been um, I've been hearing everyone gives me anxiety resumes now because I have a <laughs> like a a, a, yeah. a, a um, what do you call it like a mental health podcast. So I get people being like, you know, you should have on. <laughs> you know so, who's, who's super anxious? Yeah. So you got some problems. According to your friends, you're you're all <laughs> is that true? No. Who the hell would say such a thing? No, I know exactly who probably recommended. Well, besides Stephen. It's Steve uh, Rogers, yeah. Yeah. I talk about anxiety with Renan a lot. Have you had him on? Yeah, we had I, Renan's the first episode. He was the number oh, one guest. Perfect. Yeah, he's my go to. Um, he's great. And we just did another movie um, sort of podcast where we talk movies because he's got some controversial movie takes, as do I. <laughs> um, but yeah, Renan was the first episode and he had a great line because he said, Wow, going with a nobody right out of the gate. <laughs> Which is a good a good point. And uh, <laughs> you know, that's why I'm bad at business. But yeah, so you're friends with with those guys. And uh-huh. those are two of my good buddies. And so we're, we're friends of friends. And we've met a couple of times, but we don't really know each other very well. That's true. Would you say that? 
Yeah, I would say that. I would. It's always hurtful when you're like, we're not that close. And the other person's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I thought we were best friends. So what? what is your, uh, we'll get into all the things, but what's your uh, poison? Is it more anxiety, depression, panic, all of the above? What do you got going? Oh, a nice little cocktail of all of them, I would say. I've been better lately, though. Uh, quarantine really slowed it right down. Um, it's quite the opposite of what I thought would happen. I used to have panic attacks on stage and they stopped. I had only one during quarantine. That's still a lot, though, to have a panic attack on stage. I mean, this has only been a few months of shows, right? I mean, like, oh, like one eight is... or nine, eight or nine months. This yeah, yeah. Like March. Yeah, but I mean, I wasn't. I didn't start doing shows till like late May, so I was I was lopping off the first. Oh, that's couple true. Months. Did it That's true. So, May, June, July. It's good for me. I used I used to keep like a thing, and it would be like, oh, two this week. Wow. Uh, like a schedule. I kept like a little dais. It's somewhere in my phone. Um, all right. So I I don't I'm I'm not an interviewer by trade. So I gotta figure out where to uh start here because <laughs> I, I just want to jump into panic attacks on stage. So you're a comedian. I will have given an intro before this. How long have you been doing stand-up? Is question one and, and question two is when when in your career was your first on stage panic situation? Oh, yeah. Um, I think I've been at it about 10 years. Uh, the first five being in Vermont, very different from New York City, a lot less opportunity. Um, but panic attacks probably didn't start until a few years ago. And I wouldn't have known what they were. At first. I didn't um, I didn't even know when I had my first panic attack that that's what it was. I was like, that was just a bad 10 minutes or whatever it was. Um, but now I'm like, oh, that's what people are talking about. So on stage, yeah, maybe three years, which is weird that it would be a later thing. Maybe it's four or five. I don't, I, uh, hmm. and then like what was happening when I was just on stage panicking, but not having a panic attack all the other times. Cause that's so many open mics of just silence, just cold, <laughs> hard silence in a basement right. at the Creek. Right. So when you, first of all, I just found out, Sarah just told me, are you from Vermont? Yes. I did not know that. We're fellow New Englanders. I, with a name like Carmen Legala, you don't think Vermont. <laughs> you think she flowed from it from Italy? What is she doing? <laughs> uh, I'm not Italian at all either, I don't think. Maybe like 2%. Um, yeah, where, wait, where are you from? New Hampshire? Uh, I'm from Massachusetts. Oh, I see yeah. that. I grew up like, uh, like 35, 40 minutes south of Boston. Um, okay. But it's so I, you hear so few people coming from Vermont. I mean, you got, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders and uh, I can't even think of a second person from Vermont. No, that's it. Ben, Jerry. I don't even know if they're from Vermont, though. They're probably from New York. Same with oh, yeah. Bernie's technically. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a Brooklyn, Brooklyn bro. So uh -huh. and you started in like Burlington, I assume. Yes. And yeah, was there was. There... Oh, there was, no, there was nothing. <laughs> there was <laughs> there was a class. Somebody was teaching a class and the class turned out to be more of a structured open mic situation. Um, so you'd come in and like workshop with 10 people, but you had to get up every single time. So it's basically like forced, forced open mics. Right. Now there's there's a great that, yes. club there now, which oh, I hope they I hope they're doing okay throughout the uh, this thing, the Vermont right? Comedy Club in Burlington, yes. which is amazing. 
they haven't shut down. I haven't heard anything. It seems okay. Thank God. Uh, yes. Yeah. Now it's great. When I, yeah, when I started, it was a lot of, I, um, ended up running three things a week just to keep getting on stage. And I would go to music open mics and yeah. people would be playing guitar and I'd be like, can I get up and tell jokes? And they're like, ew. And then they let me because it's Vermont. And sure. yeah. Wow. So, okay. So you don't have panic attacks early on in your, um, your career doing sets around Vermont, but are you anxious when you first start? Like, are you, are you freaking out, but not to the level of panic or were you just kind of fine then? I would, I would get really anxious before I went on stage and I did a thing where I would kind of self-sabotage and make sure that I was in a situation where it was always kind of dire I think subconsciously I thought that would make me better and funnier if I had less time to prepare maybe. Like I worked at, um, I was managing a place that kind of operated as a comedy club. We did comedy five days a week, advertised as a comedy club. And I would work behind the counter and then get up on stage in the middle of making people drinks and then get back behind the counter. So it was just very frantic all the time. Everybody needed something all the time. You know, the comics would be like, when am I, what is this? Uh, so I kind of, maybe I'm just trying to repeat that over and over again, but I don't, yeah, I don't like a lot of time to prepare. I like to give myself 10 minutes, five minutes before I go on stage and then start frantically line by line writing out what I'm going to do. But that seems like I can understand why that would be, um, helpful because like for me, when the times I have had and i want to get more into the details of you having anxiety attacks on stage but like the times when i've had like real bad anxiety on stage i'll go into crowd work because it kind of puts me into the moment oh, whereas wow. like if i'm doing um material it's like i'm already i can i can freak out in my head while doing material that i've already have written that i already know because it's like second nature or whatever so uh-huh. my brain is going haywire but so i understand the thing of like not preparing or being distracted like if you're waiting tables or bartending or seating people whatever it is you're doing you're kind of distracted by that so it doesn't allow you mm-hmm. to get into your head so i understand mm-hmm. like the more frantic the less anxiety which sounds mm-hmm. strange yeah i hadn't thought of that i thought i was trying to create more anxiety but maybe this whole time i was trying to save myself from anxiety <laughs> it's possible i'm not i mean i'm not a doctor i mean I, <laughs> no you <laughs> are a... in this situation you are absolutely i wrote down your do crowd work thing i'm like oh i hadn't even thought of that it really is helpful because i mean like i've had uh anxiety attacks that were like horrendous while on stage but nobody really seemed to notice but if right. you start asking questions that's like there's an old um trick if you're having real bad anxiety or someone's having panic is to ask them what color their shoes are or ask yourself that because it, I don't know if you've ever heard that someone say, what color are your shoes? No. Because it kind of takes them to, you have to look down and be at least present for at least a split second to go to look down, see your feet and acknowledge a color and then answer. So it at least takes you out of this thing of like, we're all going to die or whatever, whatever it is the person's panicking about. So kind of for me doing crowd work and going, Hey, what's, what did you say? What's this? Yeah, I have to at least listen. So at least I'm listening to what somebody's saying instead of just mm-hmm. completely freaking out. Wow. I'm going to try that next time. Even though crowd work is another separate thing that gives me severe anxiety. I want to do it so bad, but it is so scary for me. Yeah, it's weird because it does feel counterintuitive because it is 
anxiety inducing also. And also for me, like any kind of like confrontation is like yes. such an insane trigger. So the idea of like, I don't, I don't know about you, but like in comedy, I have the most anxiety I get now with comedy, which is, I don't have too much as far as performing, but if I'm waiting to go on and somebody's like heckling or talking or having an interaction, that gives me anxiety because I start to feel rage. And then I'm like, am I going to have to yes. like fight somebody yeah. or deal with somebody? I don't know if you have that at all. Oh, for sure. I've come on stage and just been mad <laughs> immediately. And the whole audience is like, oh, they don't like the, I don't know. They definitely don't like mad women. I don't think either. Like, especially when you just come out and you're just pissed off immediately. I'm just like a very Bill Burr tone, which I don't usually have. <laughs> They, they don't really appreciate that because they're like, where's this coming from? And I'm like, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, th there's that trick of like, you don't want the audience to see you as like a real actual like uh, fallible person. You'd like to see some amount of performance when people are like, mm -hmm. shut up, you fucking bitch. <laughs> people are like, what? What's up with this guy? <laughs> like if someone's like, turn the air conditioner off. They're like, oh, this guy's a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, I don't think I've turned on the audience in years, but that used to, <laughs> I'm glad I don't have that instinct anymore. If somebody is talking to the audience, I do get mad on the behalf of whoever is on stage. But if I'm on stage and somebody's doing that, I tend to kind of um, very gently, if I have to, I usually don't address it at all. And then it goes away. I don't know. People don't like to heckle me or attack me. And if they do say something, I don't take it as them trying to be mean, I guess. I don't know. It's usually like very benign heckles. If I'm getting a heckle, it's something that's <laughs> not adding to it, but it's just kind of like a, they think they're, I don't know. I think it's coming from not a bad place. Yeah. I, and I do think I agree. And I have a similar experience, but like, I do feel like straight up heckling is actually like pretty rare. Right. Like it's not often you're watching a show and someone's like, yeah, because you you suck there. If I, what I mean, yeah. like, that doesn't happen very often. Um, usually it's more, for me at least, like it's more someone that's like either they're having a conversation with each other, like a table's talking to oh, each yeah. other, or there's that thing that's like, oh, yeah, yeah, so true. Yeah. That's funny. And I always say those are hard to deal with because they don't think they're being a problem. So it's hard to be like... Yes hey what are you doing you asshole because they're like what i'm enjoying <laughs> <Yeah>. you <laughs> exactly i and i i also always find those for the most part and this is not obviously in stone but for the most part when when men are interrupting a show it's because they're being asshole they're actively being an asshole they're like mm -hmm. heckling like classic heckling mm -hmm. and for the most part when women are interrupting the show it's because of that thing they're having mm -hmm. fun or they're talking to somebody Mm -hmm. Or they're saying like, oh, yeah, or no, no. It's like that kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. is harder to deal with because when someone's being an asshole, you can just be like, hey, shut the fuck up. You, whatever it is, whatever your yeah. line is. Right. But when Everyone's you yell at somebody fun. that's like, I'm having fun. What are you talking yeah. about? When, when someone yeah. doesn't know they're interrupting, it becomes difficult to deal with. For sure. Um, too, too many wines or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, I went off on a tangent there. I apologize. Um, <laughs> so what was your first anxiety attack on stage like was that still in vermont what was that situation and feeling 
I'm sure it was probably on the road. Uh, I go out with Hari Kondabolu. I'm pretty sure it would have been with him. And a lot of it, like early on, I was very anxious about open and nobody had ever asked me to open for them before. Um, so it was, I was very nervous to get it wrong, you know, cause then if you just don't get invited back, you're like, okay, I did something and I'll never succeed at this kind of a thing. So I was just very careful. Um, maybe just being exposed to different audiences for the first time made me anxious, but now those shows make me less anxious. The more people, the less anxious I am because it stops being real. I think the less people I'm like, ah, oh, less chances to get this, uh, right, right for it, for these particular people. So I really don't remember the first one. I just remember that I started documenting it at some point. Cause I was like, what is this? This is interesting something's happening when I'm on stage that I hate. <laughs> and, and then when I became aware of it, I think that made it worse, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how like agoraphobia and shit kind of manifest or, or uh, comes about is because once you have it, then you start thinking about, then it's on your mind. It's like this weird. Which one's agoraphobia? That's, uh, I think it's fear of leaving the house. Now I'm nervous now that you asked me. Oh, no, like, you're right. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's like, you're afraid to go out or do anything or to leave because yeah. once you experience it, then you're like, oh, what if this happens at this show? What if this happens at that yeah. show? That would be really yeah. horrible. Yes. So right. yeah, just like having one makes it, opens you to having a lot more. For sure. And <laughs> it did. Yeah, it made it much worse. <laughs> i didn't think about that until now that's that's like uh had you ever had um what's the sleep thing where as you're falling asleep paralysis sleep paralysis have you ever had that where demons mm. are sitting on your chest and stuff no but i've heard about okay. it paul odo is a friend of mine he's a comic and yes. he was on the oh, show yeah, and he was that. talking about it yeah do you yeah. Ha deal with that i do but again i'm not supposed to talk about it because that is one of the things that will trigger it so i'm gonna not <laughs> oh <laughs> jesus is, yeah that's uh clinically like it actually says that in something online where they're like hey don't think about it because it'll come back as soon as you talk and think about it and i was like oh what a horrifying twist on something that's already so bad it's i i had it for a period of time where i would have it like every night for a few months it was such a bad period of my life i didn't sleep um yeah you just kind of like see things and the and you are paralyzed and you can't do anything about it, but you're fully conscious. Your brain's awake, but your body is in the paralysis stage where it puts you under so that you can sleep and not get up and walk around and walk off cliffs and whatnot. So it's this in-between stage, but then it's also lucid and your brain starts to conjure up whatever is most horrifying to you personally. So it creates this nice thing for just you. And um, I ended up conquering it, but I am afraid to talk about it just because I'm afraid it'll come back. God, I mean, first of all, that is like the most insane. And I don't want to talk about it too much, but I'm like, is that an anxiety disorder or is that uh, like a physical disorder? I don't know. They don't know much about it. It seems like there's not a lot on it, but it does make sense that people believed in demons and well, they still do just ghosts, anything like that. I've had the first time I had it, I, I thought it was a ghost experience for a couple of years until I learned what sleep paralysis was. 
was like, oh, it totally makes sense that people think of those things. If they have this once, then you're like, oh, <laughs> ghost, obviously. Right. Got it. Well, I know the feeling of like not talking about it. I have that with, I've had insomnia a couple of times. I didn't see demons, but it was just anxiety. Uh, I was having basically panic attacks and couldn't sleep for like, it was like a week. It's happened to me twice. And um, I mean, I would fall asleep here and there. I'd sleep for 45 minutes, whatever, but I would go to bed and it was kind of like the, the yips, which is like a sports term. I don't know if you're a, a, a big sports fan, but that will happen where like people can't throw the ball to first base or throw the ball home all of a sudden. And oh, wow. like, it's just like an anxiety disorder, basically. Yeah. And I had that with sleeping because like I just was having such anxiety that I felt like I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to fall asleep. I don't know how it feels like you don't know how to do it. It's, it's just yeah. like the the yips. Yeah. I'm like, I can't even fathom how I've ever fallen asleep. It doesn't make sense. Yes. My eyes are yeah. just closed. <laughs> I'm not going to go into the sleep. And I have it just having that experience. And it was years ago. I still now I'm like, no one, if I hear someone talk about insomnia yeah. and not being able to sleep, I'm like, no, 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 shut up. Don't say yeah. that because if I hear it <laughs> yes. and I'm trying to like expose myself to it more, but if I heard it on a movie, I would have so much trouble sleeping that night. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have it still now, like the other last week or two weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago, I was getting ready to go home for Thanksgiving and I had, it. I just couldn't fall back asleep. Eventually I did. It took me like three hours, but that feeling mm -hmm. of just staring at the ceiling and watching the time tick away is horrendous yeah like mind prison it's just yeah, it, sleep is such a mind fuck because like what is it <laughs> what are, what what are we doing yeah and you're yeah it doesn't make sense like it just doesn't no. make sense that you're like so i'll sit here and close my eyes and then like drift away it yeah. doesn't it's really bizarre and i hope i'm not triggering anybody to deal with their <laughs> insomnia but i will say this the thing that helped me my therapist helped me so much with it and i don't know if this helps with the demon sit, shit uh you, demon <laughs> sitting on your chest but what helped me with falling asleep was the idea of my therapist was like you will fall asleep eventually like and he's kind of i was like, like having anxiety about the middle of the afternoon he's like well first of all you shouldn't be worrying about it right now it's two o'clock in the afternoon so don't worry <laughs> about it now and then he was like when's the last time you were put in an asylum because you couldn't sleep for months like mm -hmm. eventually you'll be fine you'll just be a little tired the next day and mm -hmm. so for me and i don't know if and i want to get into what kind of um uh things you do to deal with your anxiety but accepting my worst fear was something that my therapist has told me for a long time of like which really does help the idea of like in that situation for instance not being able to sleep is like okay worst case scenario tomorrow i'm really sleepy yeah uh, and that allows yeah. me to, i kind of fall asleep it's kind of counterintuitive but i don't know if that helps at all the accepting the fact that maybe there'll be a demon sitting on your face <laughs> <laughs> yeah i did yeah <laughs> i think at some point i did accept it the way i conquered it was um i can't remember if i read something or if i just decided to to do like a very cartoony like i'm just gonna face it head on but i kind of somehow made like a mental game of it where it was like okay it's welcome to come tonight but if it comes tonight i'm going to fight back and now i can't remember the details of what i did maybe a sword fight i don't really remember but definitely oh i made it funny <laughs> so like it, it started to get really scary and it was like everything awful and then i just started 
laughing at it because I was like, that is the stupidest, what, my mom with no face and being, I don't want to say any of the stuff. It's like pretty awful. But yeah, you're just, you know, it'll be like demon rape or something. And I'm like, this is so absurd. It's insane that this is happening in my brain. It just becomes funny because it's so bad. Yeah. That like, yeah. No, keep going. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I think like, Drew Michael talking about like 9-11 and how it's so absurd that a, that a plane would fly into a building that it kind of becomes funny. So I'm misquoting him and I'm going to ruin his life, but I totally get what he's saying. It's like, it's, it's so absurd. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know the bit, but it made me laugh. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that really does help is to sort of laugh at it. And I, I work on um, with anxiety and, and panic is sort of... Um, personifying it which sounds silly i mean all these mm-hmm. exercises sound so silly but the kind mm-hmm. of the idea of like of greeting your anxiety of going like oh hello and mm-hmm. some people give it a name hey steve oh, yeah. or whatever and like there's <laughs> there's old crazy barry coming to give me anxiety and it, but it does actually help and I, I talk about it a lot on on the podcast but like my therapist i kind of use this um like uh, mantra that he gave me where I'll talk about anxiety I'm having. And then he'll always say, of course, like, of, of course you have anxiety. <laughs> and that actually helps because I'm like, of course I'm having anxiety at, before mm-hmm. a, a TV set or going mm-hmm. to see family or, or some kind of whatever. It's like, of course you're having anxiety and, and it's to kind of lessen it to just be like, Oh, that's, that's this thing I have. That's the anxiety that I've been having for years and I keep overcoming it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, now where where are you with therapy are you a uh do you go to therapy do you are you willing to admit if you go to therapy uh, i don't go to therapy i should i would really like to it there's a mental block with trying to find a therapist for me i i feel like if i was able to get through all of whatever's happening to find a finally find a therapist uh then i'd be cured you know i'd be like oh i just did the thing that i can't do it's over which is stupid but it's um it's just what i'm what my thought i don't know i look up names i then i i'll get like pretty far and then i'll i'll just be like nope (laughs) not today interesting um Mm -hmm. have you been to therapy at any point oh i went to a sports therapist in college probably four times what's a sports therapist i did a, a track and field when i was there and at some point i couldn't get any faster and it was very upsetting um so they kind of i think it's like a regular therapist but they you just talk about sports related stuff or whatever you want to i assume but yeah i would just go in and be like i'm not getting any faster i don't understand why uh i feel like a failure um i can't remember what else i remember crying at therapy but i don't oh, yeah. I think i was just yeah I don't remember why. Um, I think she was just, she, she, even she was confused. She's like, okay. <laughs> we just kind of talked about track because she also ran track. Oh, I, I ran track also. Yeah. And cross country. I loved, I loved all of it. It was all, yes. I loved everything about it. And I also think it's funny. Was this in college or high school? Uh, both, but college was when they actually provided a sports therapist. Gotcha. That makes more sense. Um, 
that could be a whole other side conversation just about track in general. But I always think running, like I was a distance runner. I ran the mile and two mile and, um, and cross country. And I can see that. I bet you were good at it. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I loved it and 800 meter and all that stuff, but, um, I loved it. But I also think that I'm like, I had like almost no anxiety in high school. Like I just yeah, was fine. And I think a lot of it was that, I mean, first of all, obviously like maybe life is a little simpler back then or whatever, but right. I also just uh, ran seven, eight miles a day. And I was, yeah. and there's also the fact of like, I was socializing with a bunch of people all day. Like as soon as school right. was over, I was with 30 people yes. for hours, which is on a team. Yeah, yeah exactly. Goals. Yeah, exactly. Common goal and just fun. I mean, like it was so yeah. much fun and yeah. also just being in tip top tape, uh, tip top shape. Yep. Tip top tape is a product um, <laughs> or it should be at least that should be a tip top tape, tip top tape. And it's like a scotch tape. <laughs> <clears throat> but anyways, um, but yeah, I think running helped so much. But yeah, a sports psychologist is just a psychologist, I guess, because if you're yeah. worried about running, I mean, they can be like, well, what are you really worried about? And maybe right. it's about acceptance or whatever, or meeting your um, expectations or whatever it is. Yeah. That counts. I said. That's true. Okay. Yeah. You've been to therapy. Okay. Nice. <laughs> um, I always forget about it. But I say, I say, go back. I, I mean, I love mm -hmm. my therapist. I talked to him yesterday and mm -hmm. I just, I leave and I feel so goddamn good afterwards. How did you find one though? I'm afraid I will find one and then I'll be too, I, I'll feel bad about leaving that therapist if it's not working. It needs to be a pretty good match. I don't want to see somebody that helps me, but doesn't, I don't feel like I would hang out with outside of therapy maybe. Yeah, I get it. And it's funny because I'm like, I have the same fear, even though I have a therapist that I loved. I go to Alan, who's like the comedy therapist that I'm sure you've mm. heard about. He sees like, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know how many comics it is, but it's a ton yeah. of comics for years. He was Richard Lewis's um, therapist, like in like 1979. <laughs> oh my God. Um, Is that where we started? That's how we got to start. <laughs> I think it might be. Oh I think it, I think it literally is. And um like his resume of comics is is, is insane but yeah. yeah so he's like unbelievable and what's great about him is like obviously like a ton of people i know know him love him and because mm -hmm. he's a comedy therapist you don't have to explain anything comedy wise yep. like he's like yeah. he knows who you know sd is or the new york comedy <laughs> club he's familiar <laughs> with like doing late nights all, all that stuff yeah but i understand your feeling because i've thought like if he retires or you know dies he's 105 years old this guy <laughs> like if something happens i'm like what would i do i mean like obviously at this point i've been seeing him for years and i have a lot of wisdom and i have help from you know buddhism meditation all this stuff but i am like i feel like he's one in a million to me like having to restart yeah. over with a different therapist is difficult so i recommend alan i know he's i think he's very like full and tough to get i'm sure yeah um but yeah, I don't know. It is hard. I got lucky. I've seen two therapists in my life. And the first one was because I started having panic attacks when I was like in my early 20s, not even mm -hmm. on stage at the time. And I was like losing my mind. I went and got all these tests on my heart, my everything. 
And I ended up going to a therapist and I don't know if you've had this experience, but she was like, oh yeah, you're having panic attacks. And <laughs> once I heard it was a term that people yeah. have, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I just have a thing that people have. Yeah. That yeah. was a huge help to me. It's so helpful. Just give it a name. I don't care if you make one up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Once it's like, oh, okay. That's a, a thing. Yeah. That's so, Joe list syndrome. You're like fucking fantastic. Fine. Good. Yeah. I'll take it. But so, yeah. when you were, did you, do you remember having like a lot of anxiety as a kid? Or is it just something that came later no. after high school, college, everything? Same with you. I had nothing throughout high school. I mean, there were like rough patches. My parents got divorced when I was in high school. So there was some stuff there, but I was not anxious. Didn't know what a panic attack was until much later, probably even after college, I think. Yeah, I don't think until, yeah, 30s uh, and maybe some mid 20s. And I didn't, yeah, there was no name for it for a long time. And I didn't really have panic attacks very often, but when I did, I was like, there goes the blurb blurb and <laughs> I think I read about it I do a lot of reading a lot of anxious googling and then kind of figure it out on my own that's another reason I I should just get a therapist because they'd tell me right away but in my head I'm like oh look at me finding out on my own and then I get to feel smart for a second <laughs> yeah my, my therapist had to like really be like you need to stop googling like i will be I, I will be upset if you're googling because i'm like i have like a hypochondria issue too where i'm like everything yeah. i feel i'm like oh this must be that is that something you deal with at all like are you like an alarmist that's always googling illnesses or is it more just psychological stuff yes and i also have a bias for my own where i'm like but i think mine is correct you know you always think that your own i'm not like out here like oh i have everything but every now and again, I'm like, that feels weird. I bet that'll be cancer in 10 years. And I'm probably right. Like, why would I be wrong? You know, do you know what I mean? Like, who is somebody to tell me that I'm being a hypochondriac if in a number of years I end up being correct? Do you know what I mean? Because there is, of course, cancer in a lot of people. So who are we to say that like this pain here isn't that later? Basically, I'm, I think I'm a genius. I figured it out. I've <laughs> instead I of a hypochondriac. I completely feel that. I completely understand that. And like, I think that's like an old joke. I remember someone was just talking about it. Like, you know, the hypochondriac that's saying they have something for like 50 years and then they're 80 years old and they get diagnosed with cancer. And they're like, I fucking told you guys. Exactly. Like, I feel that way all the time. And like, I've literally had the same thing. I assess like, okay, I have this thing because I've Googled it, narrowed it down. And then I go to a doctor and I, like a, that's how strong or powerful my anxiety is. I see a doctor, they say, no, it's definitely not that. And I leave being like, they're an idiot. <laughs> I but, do the same thing. And that's what anxiety does though. Cause you are like, <laughs> but there are doctors who misdiagnose. Right. Oh, so I don't maybe. trust doctors at all. I mean, I do. And I don't, I have such a hard time with it. Doctors are so hard for me. I'm the same. I'm just like way. I, yeah. I'm like you're a hundred, and you're like an like a just an old man from Sweden or what. I'm like, there's no way, there's no way. But then I, yeah, sometimes the confirmation bias comes through. Like I saw a doctor from Planned Parenthood over Zoom, and she correctly diagnosed me and fixed a problem I've had for five years. I've seen probably eight or nine doctors about whatever this issue was that I'm definitely not going to say, um, and. Uh, none of them got it right. 
one of them got it right but never gave me anything for it so i just assumed that it wasn't that right and and she got it right immediately and now it's gone and i'm like god damn everybody sucks except for this one 25 year old woman from planned parenthood well that's the thing first of all i mean i love uh planned parenthood i got my we won't go back sticker right here because i'm a donator <laughs> um yeah i went to planned parenthood years ago for my own issue and uh they couldn't have been nicer and more discreet and i was like i wish every doctor was this person uh i loved it so actually good. i wrote a dumb short film with the idea of falling in love with uh Planned Parenthood doctor, but that's a whole other bag <laughs> I'm, of hammers. I'm, oh, I'm in love with this woman that I, the whole time I was like, I need to find a way to marry her. Just loved her so much. I, I had this premise and I made a little video, but I like the idea of like a guy falling in love with a woman that works at Planned Parenthood. And then I have to go out and keep getting STDs just so I can go <laughs> see her. Um, and then I'm like, but come on, we, we have fun together. Um, but anyways, um, I forget what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. But that's the thing with anxiety is there is enough for me with like hypochondria anxiety. I'm like, there are enough people that have heart attacks when they're 38. That does mm -hmm. happen. So people right. are like heart attack. You're healthy. You're 38. But there's a like you can find a news story of a 38 year old guy yep. that runs five miles a day and eats nothing but lettuce and he mm -hmm. died. So you're like, look at this. Maybe I'm that guy, which is yeah that term terminal unique terminal uniqueness as we Ooh. say that's a fun that's one nice. right that's really fun so I it only, yeah you can you just die and that's you winning that's you like do you know what i mean if you're, if you're correct you're like haha in your face i was right about it the whole time but you're dead you're dead and yeah. correct completely it's this weird like um ego thing where you're like i just want to be right so i'm like I, I told you guys all and i've had literally 14 different kinds of cancer and yeah. <laughs> i was talking to ronan about this recently um ironically it was when we were recording a podcast but we hadn't hit record yet but so i could do it here but in a weird way with anxiety is you thinking if i worry about this it won't happen to me it only happens to mm -hmm. people that worried about that which i try to do a joke about that when people are like i just never saw this happening to me i'm like well that could never happen to me because i saw everything happening <laughs> yes yeah 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 like i'll never be that guy that's like i just couldn't imagine this happening to me because i'm like oh, no i imagined sure. all of the things happening yeah. to me <laughs> i imagined it with extra flourishes this is yeah, yeah. Of what a basic thing to have happen i yeah imagined it 10 steps i had that's funny super cancer so maybe i'll go back to working on that that bit but that's great uh, yeah so when you have uh, like a panic attack what is it what what flavor do you have what brand is it like throat closing is it heart pounding is it uh, <laughs> on or off on or off stage or uh, different either one yeah take me through both of them because there's different uh sort of kinds of panic attack i guess different uh -huh. symptoms that can come yeah off stage, I have those so rarely. Haven't had one in a long time. I don't think. And when I do, I I can block it pretty quickly with the the what are your what color are your shoes? I do the uh, the five things, the five things you can see, four things you can hear, three things you can smell. I can't remember what they are, and that's part of it for me. I don't want to remember what they are. I want to sit there and be like three things you can smell. Who can smell three things? <laughs> you know, so that gets me out of it, and. Uh, uh yeah off stage it's 
what is it? Yeah, it's a real like narrowing. I feel like a horse in blinders. I don't know. I don't like pass out, but it is. It's a breathing thing. Yeah, the breathing. It's hard to breathe. I have a huge anxiety about dying with without being able to breathe. So breathing is a big thing for me. I don't want to drown. I don't want to suffocate because those are horrifying to me. So it's a lot of that, not being able to breathe. And yeah, the brain just kind of like shuts down and keeps circling. Um, what else does it, yeah. And do you have like, do you like shake? I don't know. I think I would not be aware of that. I don't know. I don't think I'd be present enough to know if that's, I'll check in next time and I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. Let, yeah. Let me, let me know. Text me, send me a video. Yeah. <laughs> I would think, yeah. Hands probably. I have like a mild tremor every now and again. Yes. Yeah. Like too much coffee. It feels like too much coffee that keeps going up. Yeah. See, that's what I have. Cause for me, the shaking, the reason I, that's like for me, the first uh, like start of it is sort of, mm. I feel shaky and it feels like that. It feels like I've, I'm on an empty stomach and I've had too much caffeine or too much sugar. Yeah. And yeah. so strangely um, that can kind of trigger me to feel like I'm having anxiety or right. like cold weather. Cause I start to like shiver when I have a panic attack, which I haven't had mm -hmm. in years, but cold weather will strangely, when I go out, if it's freezing, if I'm shivering, I'm like, Oh my God, am I having an anxiety attack or am I just oh cold God. or both? Yeah. <laughs> And so for me, like a big thing when I when I was having panic attacks, I would like want to crank the heat up or like go into a steam room or like put a blanket on because I'm like, if I'm warm, <laughs> it feels like I can't have anxiety if I'm like sweating. I'll try to like sweat yeah. it out. That but feels yeah, right. <laughs> I would like shake violently. Like my hands would start going like mm -hmm. hardcore or my neck. I could feel like my neck pulsating uh, or like face yeah. muscles. Little twitches. Yeah, I get a little twitchy. Yeah, I get, I mean, I'm a twitchy guy anyways, but I mean, like, that's what would be the worst. And that's what was hard with, like, having one on stage is mm -hmm. my hands start fucking trembling. And then I feel mm -hmm. like the whole audience is like, mm -hmm. look at this guy, he's freaking yeah. out, which is one of the reasons when I do, you did a late night, you did Colbert. Did you use a microphone? I can't visualize. Yes. I carried it on from backstage because I was afraid if there was one in a stand, I would like, yeah, I would fumble it with my scared hands yeah <laughs> see that's why i always go no yeah. microphone because no i'm so yeah. yeah i'm so yeah. afraid of just standing there and being like i'm like <laughs> at least i can hide my hands or have them folded yeah. um but yeah that's my big fear not my big fear i mean i have a lot of bigger fears but that's one of my fears with like a late night is like just mm -hmm. your hands trembling which Mm -hmm. I've talked about this a lot. People are always like in the comments, like this person seems nervous. I'm like, they are, they're on fucking TV. I love comments when they nail it. I'm like, those are, those are all the things I think too. Thanks. <laughs> right, right. Is this my brain is online? Just like typing in things it already knows. Oh, that's the worst <laughs> part of anything online is yeah. that you're like, oh, shit. I mean, some of them you're just like, no, that's ridiculous. Get out of here. Right. But some you're yeah. like, oh man, people see that. <laughs> yeah. My greatest fear realized. Yeah. <laughs> that's like Mulaney has that joke, I think, but the kid saying, look at this high-waisted something. Yeah. something. They call him high-waisted. And he's like, oh. <laughs> he's got feminine hips. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for me, it's just like horrible shaking. And now mm -hmm. can you, 
do you get through the set? Like, does anybody know? Because, like, for me, the audience doesn't even realize. I mean, or no. you just what what happens with you? Exactly the same. They don't realize it. And then the first few times, I was shocked that no one could tell. And now I'm like, oh, it makes sense. I become really dry. Much I deliver my jokes in a complete, not a completely different way, because I do tend to vary pretty widely just based on my mood alone, but I will become very stoic and dry and stand, I stand pretty perfectly still. I just become one of that kind of a delivery style comic. Right. And just kind of get through it. Um, yeah, no one can tell. I've had, I think one time I killed when I was just fully panicking for like, like 45 minutes it just never stopped I was like okay um but usually I'm it's triggered because I'm only doing okay right or yeah which is worse than bombing somehow if it's like a mediocre set I'm like this is and I gotta keep this up for how long um yeah it's very very quiet and yeah, I just kind of shut down and just do the jokes and don't enjoy it at all. And I'm in my head the whole time. Like, how do I get out? of? Oh, when it starts, that's the worst. Cause you're like, no, 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 no. And then it just kind of slips into it. Sometimes I'll get through half a set and I'm like, good. And then all of a sudden it's like, and you're panicking. And I'm like, why now for what I'm under a tree? Like, why would I don't need it now or a joke? Oh, if I'm trying out a new joke, that I, or have a newer joke that I don't fully, I don't want to say believe in, because it is, it'll be something I believe in, but I'm afraid to put out there in front of people, because I'm afraid they'll judge me, or I'm afraid I'll say it wrong, and come off as anything, you know, Uh, like a bigot, or just whatever it is, yeah, if it's too dark, I'm like, I don't want to make somebody remember their dead child by talking about something or like a school shooting joke you know anything like that early on before I am before I'm like oh no I believe in this joke or if it just seems like there's a lot of moms in the audience really anything like that I'll just get in my head and decide that people aren't enjoying it or that I'm making them sad instead of helping them through something terrible then I'll start to slip into the panic mode yeah completely I know that feeling I mean First of all, I completely, a few things, completely agree with like a full bomb is better than a mediocre set, mm-hmm. partly because it becomes funny. Like in your mind, you're like, oh, this is like yeah. a story. This is going to be hilarious. I can talk about right. this, exactly. you know, backstage. This has gone so bad that it's at least eventful. And you're <laughs> like, there's nothing I can do. Like, it, it's just a full bomb. It becomes very funny and strangely enjoyable. Mediocre, especially if other people on the show are doing well. Oh, yeah. It's just the worst because you're like, if it's mediocre, that means like there's some laughs, there's some teehees. It means they are capable of laughing. They're, they they <laughs> right. would enjoy it if you were if you were just better. So exactly. that's where I think it's like it's like devastating that you're like, oh, yeah. I'm doing like whatever. I'm doing like fine. Yeah. Um, they've ranked everybody and I'm at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I totally get that. And I know that feeling too of like, you're halfway through a set and all of a sudden it comes in because it is, it just, it's almost like a doorbell, like the doorbell rings and you're like, shit, 
no, don't come in. And then you're like, maybe if I get down or uh, hide. And then all of a sudden you're just in another war. Then you start thinking about like, how do I get rid of this person at the door instead of just continuing to, you know, watch TV, whatever the analogy is doing whatever you were doing inside the house before the doorbell rang. But yeah, once it's in there, that seed, you're like, shit, now it's going to happen. And what's so strange with anxiety and panic is, it's so counterintuitive. The more you try to stop it or prevent it, the more it's coming. That's why the key is just sort of accepting like, all right, let this person into my house. I guess I'm, I'm bad with analogies, yeah. but um, <laughs> um, there was something else I was going to say about that. Oh yeah. That feeling too, of like the audio doing a joke with the audience, like thinks I'm this or something is like allowing them to kind of their feelings become facts you're like oh i'm a mm-hmm. bad person because they took it this mm-hmm. way i mean that's right. such a fear also yeah yeah um i did a joke the other day in brooklyn it was two nights ago it was in brooklyn and i get in my head about brooklyn because it's so hip and cool and all this stuff and i feel like they just hate me um but i, <laughs> I I'm think doing... i'm the opposite i'm here too much so now when i try to leave brooklyn so yours is a better problem to have yeah, well, I guess By with the a complete way. reverse. Well, in my mind, I'm like, I'm a straight white guy. They think I'm the devil, the patriarchy, the whole thing. <laughs> I, I say anything. Uh-huh. But I did a joke and maybe I got to change it. But the joke is about I'm trying to quit my I've read this book called How to Break Up with Your Phone that I love. And I'm trying to Sam read that. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I'm trying to get her yeah. on the uh, podcast. Catherine Price wrote it. Oh, wow. That would be awesome. It's a great book. But um I was doing a joke. She recommended this app called Moment, and it tells you how many times you picked up your phone that day and how much time you spent on it. My and, phone already does that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm using it. But the, the joke is that I'm like, it just tells you that you're a piece of shit. It doesn't help yeah. you. And I was yeah. like, there should be repercussions. And the joke was like, if you pick up your phone a hundred times, we send a dick pic to your mother. <laughs> Thanks. That's funny, right? That's great. And then That's I was great. like, if you pick it up 200 times, we tweet out the N-word from your thing. And the crowd was just like silent. It was silence. And I had, I like came apart. I'm like, they hate me. They think I'm a bad guy. I'm like, don't you see why that would be? And and I, this is like three minutes into my set. Like I had 12 more minutes. And the whole time I'm like, they think I'm a racist. I hate that. I'm like mad at them. And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm not saying the end. I'm saying I'm picking yeah. a, a thing. I had to talk <laughs> that that would be terrible. Yeah, and that's so funny. And that's so Brooklyn not to laugh at that. They're too yeah. afraid to laugh at that. That's absolutely something that I would save for anywhere but Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I'm like this, I think would work elsewhere. But mm-hmm. uh, but it was that kind of thing. And then I went into like this anxiety and then I had all these emotions of like anxiety. Does everyone think I'm a bad person? Am I going to get canceled? <laughs> and then I'm like, are they? And then I'm also in the same time. I'm like, fuck these people. They're idiots. They can't even break down a joke. Yeah. And then yeah. I don't know if you have this experience. And then afterwards, uh, everyone like I was with Sarah and Sean Donnelly. They're like, that was a great set. You killed. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, they all hated me. They thought I was a piece of shit. <laughs> So a lot of times you just don't, as I, I, my mantra all the time, my thoughts are not reality. Yeah. I have to remind myself. Yep. Yeah. Sam tries to tell me that all the time. And I'm like, no, they're real. (laughs) Everything (laughs) I think is (laughs) happening. So hard not to, yeah. Think that everything. Cause then you have to admit that you're stupid too, to go back to what we were saying earlier, you know, a little bit, my thoughts aren't reality. If then my thoughts are wrong then I'm dumb 
for thinking that. <laughs> right, right, right. No, and then that becomes more self, which is also a thought. It's all thoughts. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. you think like, sometimes you think like this thought is independent of those thoughts. Those thoughts mm -hmm. were crazy, but this is, I'm thinking those things because I'm crazy, mm -hmm. but then also thinking you're crazy is also just a thought. You're not True. crazy. It's someone I, I heard. Like, a, even if you're correct with some of the thoughts, I'm like, sometimes maybe I am nailing it with how people perceive me, but then what, and then if that's true though, what? now like it's also like nothing changes like it's kind of like who cares i guess you care because you want to be whatever best version of yourself you can be and make adjustments but at the same time it doesn't really change much if it's true or if it's not because you can't confirm it maybe right well this i mean this is where this is where therapy comes in because you get to that real crux of like why do you care what people think yeah. Why do you need everyone to like you or agree with you? Which is, you know, that's what my therapist says every therapy session since, you know, 1998 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't been in therapy that long. But yeah, it is that that thing is like you want ultimately. I remember reading a thing one time that said all fear is based on two things, dying or being alone, which I don't my therapist doesn't agree with. But I think that's really interesting. It comes down to the one of all fears are one of those two things. What do you, what do you, what do you make of that? I'm not thinking about that. That's yeah. I feel like I need like an hour to sit with it and then I'll come back <laughs> with a, with a whole, that sounds right. Just off the top. <laughs> that sounds correct. Well, uh, being alone and death. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. But then so, you, you say something to make it not true and I'll agree with that. I'm the, I'm the same way. My, my, my therapist is like, I don't agree with that, but it is, if nothing else, it's, very interesting or thought provoking because like obviously like if you're afraid of heights you're afraid of falling off the thing and dying mm -hmm. um if you're afraid of snakes you're afraid of the snake biting you and then it's poisonous and no one will be there to help you or you die and if you're afraid of you know public speaking you're afraid that everyone's gonna hate you and think you mm -hmm. suck like oh this person's dumb fuck that guy we don't want to talk to that person um so, I mean, I can't go through everybody's every fear, but I, I would think <laughs> under this um, sort of proposition that the fear of like bombing or alienating the audience is that maybe either you'll never get booked again, you'll have no money, you won't be able to buy food and you'll die, or or the fact that everyone oh, will be yeah. like, oh, she sucks, fuck her, yeah. let's not yeah. be near her ever again, and then you'll be alone and, and right. die. Um, this is just me yeah. following yeah, up this right. thing. I'm not saying this to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds correct. Um, yeah. So something, something to think about as we, uh, when we, when we leave here, how is um, you're in a relationship with a comic and this is like the thing I'm asked the most. How do you guys mm -hmm. um, sort of make that work? And, and how does your, each of your anxiety come into the relationship are you, are you good dealing with other people's anxiety and and is he good dealing with your anxiety he's way better at dealing with mine than i am with his ah. and it's um yeah with his i'm like brush it off get back on the field i'm just like a <laughs> man from the past uh he's just very supportive and good at at uh yeah telling me all the things that you just said kind of like it's it's unfair that he has to be my therapist sometimes um yeah, I think it's it's uh, 
pretty easy to be and it's nice to be in a relationship with somebody who understands all the stuff and just all the tiny dumb details of like yeah I'm gonna be back at like 3 a.m because I'm doing a show and then hanging out <laughs> and then doing like an open mic at 1 a.m under a bridge <laughs> and they're like great good get out there good for you <laughs> you know uh yeah I find it fine I mean yeah any problems that we have are fairly small and take place outside of the sphere of being stand-up comics I think they're pretty common things like living together during a quarantine when you can't be apart for months at a time that kind right. of thing yeah it's because Sarah and I get asked this all the time and people are always like I, there's comics that are like you don't date another comedian I would never date another comedian which first of all I think just like picking any group of people to cut them off from the dating field just seems <laughs> mm -hmm. um, like a bad idea. But mm -hmm. like you said, like same with like, I talked about my therapist and like you said, it's like comedians have so much in common. They just, you just understand so much about so many things that you can talk in that shorthand and they all get it and understand it. That mm -hmm. feeling of like, I didn't do well where people are like, ah, it's one show, but like, you know, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I yeah. get it. I bombed there too. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's so helpful, but do you find, I mean, you touched on this a little bit, like I find I'm so good with other people's anxiety, but so horrible with mine. Like if somebody's like, yeah, I, have, yeah. I have this problem. I'm like, Oh, I know how to, I know how to handle this. Yes. <laughs> you don't think this, you think that, but when I have it, I'm like, I'm inconsolable. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, exactly the same. <laughs> and is he, is he an anxious guy? Does, I, I mean, I know Sam yes. a little bit, but yeah yeah maybe less than i am yeah he doesn't have panic attacks on stage that's for sure but uh and i don't think he has panic i don't think he's had more than maybe a couple panic attacks i'll ask him after but he is yeah very anxious yeah very much cares what other people think sure. to a degree that that's crippling a lot of the time um yeah and yeah if anybody else has a problem i'm like oh my god just do these things that i would never do <laughs> right, right. yeah it's so weird because and it goes back to our thoughts is that like we just don't um trust ourselves like i i need somebody mm -hmm. that i consider wise to say something because i give myself advice and i'm like yeah but you're an idiot i mean it's, it's so crazy <laughs> yeah. how we have that like duality yeah, of like Joe, just say, and I'm quoting something I read from a guy that if he said it, it would help me. But <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying it, so I'm like, now you're a moron. Um, now that I know this, it can't be true. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect way to put it. So I don't know how to um, deal with that. Um, it's funny you mentioned earlier, like uh, a long time ago now, and, and uh, we'll wrap up soon. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but it, you mentioned earlier that like your anxiety has sort of been better during um, mm -hmm. pandemic, which I've completely, I've had people call me and been like, Oh my God, dude, you've been talking about this for years. You must be losing your mind. I'm like, ah, I'm actually doing okay. Yeah. And, and what, what is it about it? Why do you think it's been a little bit easier than you thought? Uh, a little bit of it is the confirmation bias where I'm like, see, I told you guys, <laughs> I told you I've been obsessed with uh, pandemics and, and diseases like this for a long time. I think, that this was a long time coming. Um, I didn't think it would be this bad or manifest in the way that it has, but I was like, oh, we've had disease like this coming for a long time. 
but then just separately from that for art it's nice to I've wanted to take a break for 10 years but I felt like or for the last few years I've wanted to take a break but I felt like I couldn't because I would fall behind and because without comedy it's like who am I I would have to deal with that and now that everybody has crutches <laughs> I can sit back and relax and not feel like anybody's getting ahead it's super unhealthy all the thoughts are very um not good and a little bit mean where I'm like I don't want anyone to to succeed while I'm floundering so it's nice that we're all floundering together although some people are doing better than others it just feels like it's it's uh it is like a break every it's a forced break that everyone has to take which is my dream and then I had to pivot and figure out a new puzzle, which was doing comedy outside, which then made the art form interesting again, because it was a different set of challenges. And it was really hard at first. And now I'm like, oh, I love performing outside. I, I look forward to it. I get to be out in nature. There's a tree. The laughs aren't as loud, but then you, you get used to it within about a month or two. It just became normal I don't know what it sounds like inside anymore right. so I have no basis of comparison and I just get to be in my house a lot which as maybe like a very mild agoraphobic is very soothing if not extremely unhealthy <laughs> <laughs> but I'm inside with my cat all day and I can't work and that's it's nice to I mean I'm gonna run out of money at some point if they don't do another stimulus or if I buy Christmas gifts, but right. uh, it's, it's just, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't do the job that I didn't like to do that gave me anxiety because I wasn't making all of my money on comedy. And even that, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm not losing money on these long trips where I get up at four in the morning to fly out to right. make a net of a hundred dollars. That happened yes. so many times in Texas or wherever. Yeah, I I feel all of those things and so many comics I've talked to feel the same way of that like that break where we're all because mm -hmm. like like you said and it's funny like before I would take two days off and be like, nah, I'm gonna take a couple days off and really and mm -hmm. but you have that feeling of like, oh my God, everyone's two days better. And yeah. Allow, this has sort of allowed us to let go of that. And I, I feel so similarly as like I've been on doing comedy for 20 years now and then i was on the road like hardcore for um 14 and so it's like oh wow this is a long time to take a break from the same thing waking mm -hmm. up at five in the morning i haven't woken mm -hmm. up from an alarm clock in eight months which i love yeah and, oh, um, sleeping i get all the sleep i need every night yeah it's nice to just wake up when you wake up so uh -huh. i i feel you and and i hope that we as in you and I and comics and people all over can take all the good aspects of what we've had and like bring that into our lives moving forward. Like I have to be mm -hmm. able to be like, all right, I'm taking two weeks off instead of one night off. Um, yeah. Because I can't, we, I had that image that I'm sure you had before and you kind of alluded to it, but like the idea of taking like six months off from comedy is like insanity. And now you kind of know like, all right, I actually can, I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So, um, I agree. I feel you. Um, thank you so much for doing this, Carmen. This was really fun. I appreciate it. It was nice thank to you for, get to yeah. know you. Thank you for having me on. It's yeah. a delight um, to talk about anxiety. Oh, it's Sorry. always fun. I love it. Where Where can people find you? Tell everyone about your stuff. 
Oh gosh, I'm on Twitter at Carmen Legala, on Instagram at Carmstagrams. That's about all I do really these days. You know, they can see me in Brooklyn outside. I think shows aren't happening for the winter. At least it's slowed down. So good luck finding me. What about a podcast? You must have a podcast. I don't have a podcast. What? Oh my God. A comedian with no podcast. That's like sin. Yeah. (laughs) That's unheard of. I mean, you might be the comedian and I know. (laughs) Let's start a podcast called I Don't Have a Podcast. It's just silence. I thought about early on, like a couple of years ago, having a podcast called Everybody Has a Podcast. Here's mine. But I mean, I've had Tuesdays with stories for a long time, but <laughs> yeah. um, that's um, wow. That's that is impressive. I, I, I you. applaud you. Thank <laughs> um, you so much. Well, thank you so much, Carmen. It was really uh, fun and I appreciate you being on and uh, I'll, I'll steer everyone to your uh, social media and, and your late night set. You're, uh, you did a late night late show with Stephen Colbert, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah I've I've I I watched it once so <laughs> and it was so hard. So oh, hard. it's I don't pain- ever want to see it. Yeah, I watched one of my late nights. I was at the cellar and they played it at the Tonight Show, and I was mm. like curled Mm-mm. up in a ball. It was like mm-hmm. the worst situation oh, ever. That's awful. And then somebody was afterwards was like, "What grade would you give yourself on that?" And I'm like, "You're not supposed oh. to say that. You're supposed to say that was great." Yeah, <laughs> um, it was brutal, but. Everyone else should check it out. It won't be painful for everyone else. It'll be enjoyable. So maybe <laughs> <laughs> spoken like a true comic. Yeah. Um, Carmen, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You got it. Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcasts.